0: They have the Jace case, which is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that are used for the most common and deadly bacterial infections. And you can also customize your case and add additional life saving medications based on your or your children's family's unique needs, like an EpiPen, for example, something that you would never want to be without, would never want to have to run from pharmacy to pharmacy in pursuit of. So if you want to go get these medications and have your antibiotics on supply so that you always have them when you need them in case of an emergency, in case of a disaster, in case of being a a victim of this drug shortage, Jace Medical will have you covered. All you need to do is go to jacemedical.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code SHAMELESS at Jace Medical, J-A-S-E medical.com, jacemedical.com, code SHAMELESS. This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 383. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, as well as any discount codes from our sponsors, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 383. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms Hello, Mamas. Happy Monday. Delighted to be kicking off a new week with you, as always. And I'm feeling like especially grateful today. Just especially grateful that I get to start every week with all of you. And it's really fun when I'm recording this to think of... You guys are going to think I'm such a dork, but it is really fun for me to think of all you when I'm recording and think about you're listening to this as you start another week, because I'm often recording these like in the middle of the week, the end of the week, but you are kicking off a new week if you're listening in live time. And so you're at the beginning of something. You're at the beginning of like, here we go. You're in that like ramp up mode. (laughs) You need like your inspirational music on. So I'm here for you. I will be your inspirational music for the next 30 minutes or so. I'm fired up to be here with you to kick off another week, and I'm just honored to be in your ear as always. I know you have a lot of choices in the things that you can listen to, so thanks for being here listening to me. I promise to make it worth your time. So I'm going to talk today about four things you need to lead, and you could apply this in any context in which you lead. So it might be things you need to lead your parent-child relationship, or to lead your household, or to lead in your marriage, or to lead in the community, to lead in a volunteer group, to lead as a coach on your kid's team, to lead in an organization, to lead in the workplace. So many options to lead, right? So I was recently, I had the opportunity to speak at Amazon. It was amazing. So I'm actually in the process of doing a three-part workshop series for them. By the way, I do corporate training, and it's totally awesome. So if you work for a corporation and you want me to come speak for you, Yes, I'm for hire. So you can always reach out reach out to me at info at shamelessmom.com if you have questions about corporate training. But I'm doing a three-part workshop series at Amazon. So part one and two are in October, and then part three is in January. We're intentionally doing it 90 days later after the first two. And so the first two parts, though, I went into the room at Amazon and I was with this group of women. And when I was preparing to go in, I was really clear around whenever I walk into a room of women, I am walking into a room of leaders. But here's the thing, not everyone sitting in those seats thinks of themselves as a leader. So I get the opportunity to remind women that they are leaders, even if they don't necessarily have a role or a title that is reflected in common culture. I don't know if common culture is the right word. In it's not pop culture. I guess it is common culture, whatever. You know what I mean. Even if they don't have a title that is reflective of being a leader, any woman is a leader. You're like you're a leader of your life, you're a leader of in your family, you're a leader in your household and in all the other ways that you serve and engage in the world. But here's the thing, do you embrace that role? That is the critical question because if you are not embracing your role as a leader, you're leaving a lot on the table. A lot of opportunities, a lot of growth, a lot of fun, a lot of excitement. I mean, I get that it's a little bit nerve wracking to position yourself as a leader if that's not something you've already embraced, but we're gonna talk about that today and hopefully you'll feel a little bit better about it. Because if you can position yourself as a leader and really own that and embrace that, opportunities will come flying your way. And it's pretty awesome. If you didn't listen to my last episode on why you need to get yourself in the room with like minded mamas, my secret formula for growth. That episode, episode 381, is crucial to embracing your role as a leader. If you are in the room with like-minded mamas, I'm clapping my hands right now as I say this. If you are in the room with like-minded mamas and other female leaders, you will see how you are equally qualified in many, many ways, which is really awesome. So I want to talk about leadership, the four C's around leadership, the four C's that you need to lead in your life in whatever role that you lead in. So the first one is courage. You need courage to be a leader on any level. And so let's talk about what courage looks like, because sometimes we think courage only looks like, you know, somebody big, huge mountains, literally or figuratively. Courage means a lot of things. So courage means having a hard conversation with someone, trying something you've never tried before. Courage can mean Admitting that you made a mistake or being vulnerable about something that you don't know how to do or that you know is not in your skill set and saying, like, oh, I'm not quite sure how to do that. Could someone show me? That's courage right there. So courage happens so often and frequently on a micro level, but we often only think of like macro level courage. I want you to think about micro level courage because when you are looking at being a leader, showing up as a leader, positioning yourself as a leader, you need to have courage to own what you know, and to own what you don't know, you need to have courage to show up. And sometimes you got sometimes you got to have courage to show up and like, pretend you know a little bit more than you know. (laughs) And so and not that you're like lying about what you know. But sometimes you are showing up and you know, positioning yourself as a strong, powerful person when you're a little bit like, I'm not sure if I'm that strong and powerful, but I'm just gonna like, put on that cape today and see how it goes. That's courage too. And we do that a lot. We do that all the time. I mean, you probably did that when you were dating your partner, if you're partnered, where you were like, I'm going to just show up and be like my very coolest self and hopefully they believe me. <laughs> and and look, at, hopefully it worked out. I know for many of you, it did. And if it didn't, hey, there's lots more opportunities to try it. So we often are practicing courage as leaders in really small ways. But we have to be aware of like, what does that look like? And so I know for me, I recently had a situation where I definitely could have crumbled under some pressure. And instead, I was like, I feel like I need to, as a leader in this particular situation, I feel like I can't crumble. I need to practice courage in this situation. And it was super uncomfortable. (laughs) Like, I'm not going to say it was fun. And also, it was extremely rewarding. And it was really validating. And important. And it made me feel my own power, stand in my own power to be able to demonstrate courage in front of other people. That was really, really important. It was also in that same situation, I also demonstrated some vulnerability. And I let people know that I was very frustrated. I was not totally sure I was doing the right thing for part of the time. And that can also be part of The courageous action. So in this process, in this particular situation, I positioned myself as a decision maker and an action taker, which I pride myself on being even though I'm not a natural decision maker, because I like to, you know, review all the options for a real long time and collect all the data. But because that is, is important to me as a core value to embrace and as a CEO and a visionary to embrace being a decision maker and an action taker in this situation, I knew that I needed to step into that role. So I did that in a courageous way, even though it was very uncomfortable. And then I also expressed like, hey, I'm doing this and you all can see me doing this. And also, I'm super frustrated right now. I'm really, really frustrated that I'm doing this and that I'm having to do this. I'm not super sure that I'm doing it the right way, but." Also, I'm going to show up, I feel confident that I'm doing this to the best of my ability and that I am doing this in a way that is highly ethical and the right thing to do right now, even though it feels really uncomfortable. So that's that. So really looking at what does courage look like in micro situations and on those macro levels. Because courage in big macro, in a macro sense is also important. What does courage look like to you on a regular basis? When I decided I wanted to sell the gym, like that was a huge courageous feat. When I decided to start the podcast, huge courageous feat. When I publicly spoke out and said I wanted to turn the podcast into a six-figure business within a year of selling the gym, that took a lot of courage. And I hustled my buns off to make that happen. So All of those things take courage. And when you put yourself out there in vulnerable ways, on top of the courageous action that you're going after, you also have vulnerability around that. That's like extra courage. Like you get courage bonus points. And I want to also point out what Sister Brene, Sister Brene Brown says that vulnerability only exists with courage, that you can't be vulnerable and not be courageous. And so recognizing that important connection there is also very, very important that we need to be practicing vulnerability. And so part of practicing vulnerability is stepping into courage on whatever level is the right level for you. And then openly saying like, this is hard or this is scary or holy cow, I can't believe I'm doing this. And also I'm still doing it. I'm still showing up. I'm showing up for the thing. I'm signing up for the marathon. I'm going for the promotion. I'm asking for the raise. I'm starting the new hobby. I'm, you know, all the things. Number two, the second thing you need to leave, the second C is confidence, confidence.
1: I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.
0: You need confidence to lead. And here's the thing. I mean, wouldn't it be nice if like, you could take a confidence vitamin every morning, a confidence chewy, if you will, It would be really nice if you could do that. And you can't. Okay, but here's the thing you can do. You can't take a chewy, but you can cultivate confidence every single morning before you start your day. And this is what I do. You've heard me talk about this before, the importance of a morning routine. If you don't have a morning routine that brings you confidence to kick off your day, you need to go get mine. My morning routine is my 15-minute manifest. It's a free resource that you can download. Go to shamelessmom.com forward slash 15mm. And you can get the whole entire resource. And it's just a quick morning routine that allows you to kick off your day with confidence and clarity around what actions you need to take for the day, how you can break it down into small parts and make it really manageable and also get you pumped up, fired up and ready to go, feeling confident that you can achieve whatever you want to achieve on any given day. So confidence, what it looks like in terms of cultivating confidence on a daily basis, it looks like really taking a a hard or harsh critical look at How are you being a reactive versus proactive first thing in your day? And so what are the resources that you leverage first thing in the morning to frame your day in a way that is going to get you what you want and what you need? And that's where confidence is built. Confidence is built in your routines that happen outside of you practicing courage. So when you practice courage and it works out, confidence is built for sure. But confidence is also established in those quiet places where you have the mental space and clarity to decide, I'm going to do this thing even though I'm unsure or even though I'm nervous or scared or have fear because I'm deciding that I'm worthy, I'm capable, I'm qualified and I'm going to show up and do this thing. And so you need that space to cultivate confidence and that happens in that morning routine where you set your intentions for the day, you set your desired feelings for the day, you set your action steps for the day and you decide this is what I'm gonna do because I'm worth it. You set your affirmations for the day. So you have a lot of clarity around what you're doing, why you're doing it. And then you go and you do the thing. And when you do that repeatedly, that's going to require you to show up with courage repeatedly. And that will give you the confidence that you need to continue to lead in confidence. Because here's the thing. If you think back to when, if you ever had a teacher that wasn't confident, like (laughs) I'm thinking in particular of a teacher that I had in middle school. And I mean, you can smell the lack of confidence 10 miles away and the lack of confidence when it is visible is crippling to one's plight. And so if you think of this in this specific example, a middle school teacher who's not super confident, who's just being like eaten alive by teenagers, it's an awful scene, right? A scene that none of us could probably sit and watch because we would be so uncomfortable for that person. So you need to recognize how can you show up in confidence even if you are feeling a little bit like that middle school teacher who's about to be eaten alive, how can you go in there and fake it till you make it? It's like putting on the Wonder Woman costume and being like, I'm all in. Like, I don't feel like her on the inside, but I'm going to show up like her on the outside, right? And we have to do that sometimes. We have to do it when it's super uncomfortable and we don't feel prepared. Sometimes we don't feel ready. I know that I've had to do it in situations where I'm like, just going to do my best and I'm not feeling prepared. I'm not feeling qualified. I'm not feeling like I'm ready to show up as Wonder Woman, but I'm going to put on the cape and I'm going to do my best. And I'm also going to trust that I have shown up like this before and it's worked out. I'm going to trust that I've done things in the past where I have felt like, oh my gosh, I don't know if this is going to work. And it has. So I'm going to let that inform my behavior and attitude in this situation so that I can show up pretending that I feel good about this, even if I don't. And when you do that routinely, the confidence grows. It definitely grows. Your confidence will definitely bloom over time as you repeatedly show up in these ways. And that gives you the power to lead from that position and in that place way more consistently than not. And so now I can lead in confidence even when I feel underprepared by just owning that I'm underprepared or owning that I don't feel like I have something totally dialed in or I don't know something all the way. And I can own my shortcomings with confidence so that it is not a crippling thing for me at all. Whereas before, when I was still working on some of this and really working on honing in on my confidence and showing up in uncomfortable spaces with confidence, I felt like I had to hide something. And now I feel like I can lead with the weakness to be like, I don't know anything about this thing. So I'm going to need help with this, this, and this. And here's where I can help you. And here's where I can shine. And here's where I'm going to lead to my best ability. So when you have that sense of confidence from practicing courage over and over and over, it actually impacts your ability to lead when you don't have the answers, when you don't know. And you can be very forthcoming in that with a sense of power. And that is confidence at its best. When you can show up and say, actually, I don't know. I don't have all the answers rather than trying to like pretend that you do and talk your way around something that you have no clue about like me trying to like explain how a scanner works or something, (laughs) or me trying to, at Amazon the other day, me trying to pretend like I have any clue how to hook my computer up to the PowerPoint projector. I was like, no, I don't know. I know that I have some plugs and they're in this case. And here, somebody help me. (laughs) I am not even going to pretend. And like I'll tell you in those environments, I often feel like I should go in and be like, oh, you plug the this into the that and then it all works out. I'm like, they didn't hire me to know how to hook up my computer. They hired me to give an amazing talk. I'm not going to come in here and pretend that I know what plugs into what. I'm going to fully admit I don't have a clue. And now I actually even in my prep for presentations and for speaking engagements, I'll say, hey, I'm bringing a new Mac and I know it doesn't have a lot of plug options. Can you work with that? I don't even pretend that I know. In fact, I actually, for the Amazon talk, was messaging the person who was hosting the whole thing. And I said, I have like these three plug thingies. They kind of look like this. Does that work? And she's like, I appreciate your terminology around your three plug thingies. And I was like, yep, that's about as much technology as I speak. So really owning that, like they didn't hire me to know how to plug my computer in. So I don't need to know that. And I can own that. And there's a ton of confidence that comes with that that I can lead and I can show up as the expert in a certain way in that capacity that they've hired me for. And I don't need to know all the things. And I can be super light and easy about the things I don't know. And I'm telling you, there would have been a time when I would have shown up and been so nervous about trying to pretend that I knew how to hook my computer up and been like, I'm just going to pretend like I know and like plug the things in and hopefully I won't have to ask for help. And now I'm like, no, I had no place in my marketing. Does it say I know technology? (laughs) So I do not need to own that role. Number three, the third C that you need to lead is compassion. So you need to have compassion. And you need, when you're leading, you need to look at, you need to have this constant critical eye on not only how you're leading, but also how you're being received, what other people's experiences are, how you're providing value, how people are receiving value, what their needs are, how things are growing, shifting, and evolving. It can be a lot to take in. And you do this automatically in your households already. You do this with your kids. You're constantly like looking for the shifting dynamics in your family and probably mostly showing up compassionately, recognizing like, oh, you know, this child just hit this milestone and it's going to be really hard for them to do this thing or they're feeling, you know, they just hit puberty and these things are going to be really awkward and you have compassion around that, right? But think about other situations where you're leading people and organizations where you might not be super compassionate. I remember my mom talking about, she was a teacher for 42 years, and she talks about how her teaching shifted after she had kids, that she was able to show up as such a much more compassionate leader, because she understood that like some nights homework doesn't get done. Some nights, Families have a really hard time. And before she had kids, she had a harder time being empathetic around that. And after she had kids, she led with that compassion. It was like one of the first things she would tell parents at the beginning of the school year was, I'm a better teacher because I'm a mom. And I will understand if there's some days that things just don't happen, that homework doesn't get done, assignments don't get turned in. I totally get it. And so just let me know, just send me a note. It's not a big deal. And she was able to lead in a very different way. And I think this is so important when I see leaders doing this, leaders meeting people where they're at. That doesn't mean that you don't challenge people to grow or push people to rise up and you know level up when it's necessary, but also meeting people where they're at and being really conscientious around what do people need from you? And what is their experience right now? And how can you meet them there? And what does it feel like for them? Could you walk a mile in their shoes? And if you did, what would that feel like? And how would you want to be treated? Or what concerns would you have? Or what problems, struggles would you have? And what needs would you need met? That's gonna be such a crucial, crucial part of being a leader. If you can't lead with compassion, you're gonna struggle unless you have a massive ego. So people with massive egos can lead without compassion. I'm not saying they do it well but they just don't have any level of self-awareness or consciousness. So you can be a narcissist and lead in the absence of compassion. I mean, people will know and you will be found out for sure. People won't want to work under you or be in your circles, but you might be able to establish a certain level of leadership and do that. But for the average person in leadership, you are going to be way more successful and get further and bring able to bring way better people with you if you are leading with compassion. And you will get The level of recognition, not that you're necessarily leading for recognition's sake, but the level of recognition that you will get will be exponentially greater. I get exponentially greater recognition because I lead with compassion than if I didn't. And this happens all the time. When I meet people where they are at in public ways, when I say, if someone says, hey, you did something that offended me, and I publicly say, oh my gosh, I am so sorry. I did not even think about it from your point of view. I can be compassionate about that person's situation or perspective in a public way. And that immediately elevates me as a leader because I've demonstrated compassion. And when people do not do that, they have typically whole communities of people that do not respect them or their leadership. And it makes them, they might get to a certain level, but then they can't take it to the next level or that doesn't carry over into other opportunities outside of the one level that they've created. So being able to lead with compassion is going to be crucial for long-term growth, for success, and also... For the sake of leveraging leadership in the way that you want to, like most of us, when we're leaders, we are looking to leverage something, right? We're looking to leverage the services, the value that we're adding, the impact that we're having, all those things. You can't leverage impact if you don't have compassion. Lastly is curiosity. The fourth C you need to lead is curiosity. So here's where curiosity is really important. And it's funny because I think that some people might like find it easy to dismiss this C And it's a really, really important one. So I want you to listen carefully. So curiosity and leadership is going to be around when you find yourself making a snap judgment about something. Instead of making that snap judgment, get really curious. So maybe the snap judgment is, oh, well, we can't do that. That's not how we operate. Or that doesn't work for us. Or we don't do that. Or that person just needs to leave. Or what are they even doing? Like Those snap judgments that we make, how can we trade those out for curiosity? And instead ask, oh, I wonder why that person is doing that, saying that, thinking that. I wonder what they really need right now. I wonder what's really going on behind the scenes. When we can lead with curiosity, then we can often have a completely different outcome. We can often either get, we either get the information that we need or we're able to get more insight into what an appropriate next step would be in terms of taking action. And so when we can leverage curiosity and lead with curiosity, first of all, it makes us not have snap judgments. It actually pushes us into compassion, which is, again, so important. And it also creates space for us to have a moment before we have that snap judgment and take action in a way that might not serve us serve the communities serve a person or a situation so really taking that opportunity to get curious and sometimes that requires some space so sometimes as a leader you have to say like oh i'm gonna, gonna need to get back to you about that i need to think about that and then being able to have like some curiosity behind the scenes like why is this triggering me why am i frustrated why am i feeling impatient why is this like rubbing me the wrong way what is this feeling I'm having in my gut that's telling me to like, maybe this is the wrong thing, or maybe it's telling me the right thing. But regardless, like really getting curious around some of those situations and those instances where we might have a real quick, like something in our gut tells us something, or we might have feeling like we're going into a place of defensiveness or quick judgment. Because like, we all show up with baggage, right? We all show up with stuff. And it's real easy for everyone to get real defensive real fast and it's not productive. And so coming from a place of curiosity, I know I recently had an exchange that was like super strange and I could not figure out why the person on the other end was behaving the way that they were. It was just consistently very odd. And I had to like really step back and look at, okay, why could this person maybe be responding in this way that is so like not mirroring how I'm responding? Like I felt like I was being... Like respectful and responsible and polite. And this person was not at all. And they were being really rude and aggressive and belittling. And I was like, this is so strange. And so my instinct, of course, like when someone's being really degrading to me, in my head, I'm like super defensive and like self-preservation, right? But I had to step back and be like, wait, why might they be responding like this? And how can I have a more critical eye on the situation, and lead with curiosity, and actually maybe be a little bit compassionate, and then respond accordingly. And I can respond with curiosity. And I can tell you in that situation, I consistently did that. I just responded with curiosity over and over again. And it totally changed the trajectory of the conversation. And I ended up getting what I wanted out of the situation, (laughs) instead of the other person who was Trying to get something that they wanted. I ended up getting what I wanted because I was able to consistently just show up with curiosity and be super calm around that rather than going into like a quickly reactive defensive place. And so that makes a big difference in the long run. When you can lead with curiosity, you often can sidestep some of those defensive tendencies and it gives you that space to stay even keeled and to stay level headed. And often then that leads you to being a little more open minded and a little bit more patient with a process that will get you what you ultimately want or what you ultimately need, which will get you the outcome that you want, right? Like often as leaders, we're looking for outcomes and outcome-based solutions where we're leading to a certain place, a certain destination, and that's gonna get you what you want. So to sum up, the four Cs you need to lead are courage, confidence, compassion, and curiosity. So what happens if you have some of these and not the others? Let's just talk about that for a sec. What if you only have like, courage and confidence, but not compassion and curiosity. Well, courage and confidence without compassion and curiosity, that's going to be the egotistical tyrant, right? Or if you have like all the compassion and curiosity, but no courage and confidence, you're probably not going to take the chances that you need to take and really step into your power. So you're going to be a compassionate, curious leader might have a really great heart might not be putting themselves on a big enough stage to have the impact that they want because they don't have the courage and the confidence to to get themselves there. So really looking at why each of these is important, because if you're lacking any one of them, you're going to probably get yourself tripped up and you're going to probably struggle in leadership. And some of these, I mean, on any given day, you might lack one of these. I'm not saying that like you just like accrue them all and put them in a back pocket and you're good to go like you're always constantly having to shift focus and grow in all of these areas always growing in courage growing in confidence growing in compassion growing in curiosity but being aware that you are constantly working on all of them and that the four of them have an integral relationship and they rely on each other for sure and so when you have one lacking the leadership falters the leadership you're not leading at the level that you want to you're not an opt in a level of optimal leadership So I want you to think about, is one lacking for you? Are you lacking the courage and maybe holding yourself back? Are you lacking the confidence and holding yourself back? If you had more courage, what would that look like? If you had more confidence, what would that look like? Are you lacking the compassion? What would that look like if you were more compassionate? What would it mean in your organization, your structure system, wherever it is you're leading, if you had more compassion? How would that shift outcomes? How would that shift a sense of community and a sense of culture? And then curiosity. If you're lacking in curiosity, what would it look like? What would the outcome be? How would the outcomes be different if you led with curiosity more often? So I want you to think about all four of them. Courage, confidence, compassion, and curiosity. I would love to hear what you think about this episode. I would love to hear which ones you're going to be leveraging more. So definitely find our posts on this episode and social media, on Instagram and Facebook at the Shameless Mom Academy, and let me know what you think so we can keep this conversation going.